Oh man, I need a couple volunteers to come up here and fan me if I get too hot. I get a, holy cow, it is, it is hot. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So before we get started, I have to give a couple of shout outs. Um, just what an amazing church we have filled with just serving amazing people. I just want to thank everyone that helped us move yesterday and sacrificed their time. Let's get a little clap going for just the servants, everyone that prayed for us. And um, I don't want to rob specific people of their treasures in heaven, amen. But to the couple that watched my our little girl all day long for like, it felt like a 12-hour period. I don't know how long it really was, but a long, long time. Thank you so much. And there's one brother that held my hand through a long process of, you know, we have to go return the U-Haul and gas it up and do all this, sweep it out. And I was just so grateful for his support, and uh, I couldn't have done it without you. And to my rock star of a wife who just held the whole thing together, and without whom I'd be preaching before you in, like, Star Wars jammies and, like, one of those striped shirts from 2001, you know what I mean? So <laughs> thank, you, thank you to Heidi for all, for all she does and doesn't get enough credit for um, so we're going to jump right in a moment. I'm going to pray. We're going to do a quick recap. So today we are coming out of Romans 6. And Romans 6 is a really inspiring, wonderful, and very heavy, dense chapter. So we're going to run through it. And I just want to start with that. I want you to leave here feeling inspired. I love you, church. And I love everyone that's visiting. I, I want you to feel the grace and the enormity of God's love that he wants to shower on you. I also want you to make a decision today if you're going to be a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. So we're going to, those are like, wait a minute, <laughs> one of these things is not, but they come together in a beautiful way and we're going to explore that together. So let's pray and we're going to jump into a recap and then we're going to dive right in. You guys ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Oh, dear God, Father in heaven, thank you so much for uh, just your grace and um, just the, the good things in our life that we don't deserve, God. Um, thank you so, so much um, for giving us that, for giving us mercy. Father, I pray that you would just speak through me. Um, I need your strength, and uh, I pray your Holy Spirit would just take over and help us to hear the things we need to hear and help me to speak the things that I need to hear and that we need to uh, all dig into and explore and grow in together. Thank you so much for Jesus, and uh, I pray that he would just continue to be with us as we explore his word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, all right, all right. So this is the first time ever in the history of all the lessons I've given that I'm going to be using the doohickey to do the slides. So let's go doohickey. We're going to explore this together. All right. So the, the title of today's message, I don't usually do titles, but the title is Amazing Grace Will Make Us Slaves, question <laughs> mark. So it's up to you. It's really up to you. You're already a slave. So the, the, the decision we all have to make is what are we a slave to and what are we going to continue to be slaves to? And that's a decision we make kind of every moment, right? So Amazing Grace Will Make Us Slaves, question mark. Here we go. We're going to do a little recap. So, that says Romans 3. Let's see. All right. I'm going to find Romans 1. This is the doohickey. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm just going to real quick read you the introduction of Romans 1. I think this is an important thing for us to focus on. I'll clear this out so you won't be distracted by that. Um, so, here we go. You don't have to turn there. You can just listen. Romans 1. I'm going to just take it down through 6. This is Paul speaking his introduction, and I, I think it's good for us to just kind of remember where we've been so that we can yeah. go further, right? 
Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about, this is like the part, church, this is the part, <laughs> this is why we read this verse, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. So that's the big, and it, it goes on, and, and I, I really love reading the intros, and you know, to, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. So to all of you who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But that part right there at the latter half of five, the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. That's his purpose in writing this letter, and that's our purpose in living and breathing and interacting with our wives and coworkers and roommates and, and the lost in order, right, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. This is the intro, so my, my, my propensity is to stop there and to hammer some stuff out. We're, we're going to keep going because it's the intro, right? It's the intro. Recap. Romans 3, 1, so si 1 through 6. I'll just take it from here. What advantage then is there in being a Jew or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. And it goes on. So you have to realize the context of which Paul's preaching, right? There was a lot of heavy stuff in Romans, doctrinal stuff of the day, that if he didn't address, people wouldn't have even heard him. You ever been in a situation like that? Like, if I don't tell them this, they're not going to listen, understand. Nothing will be effective unless we get these things out of the way. And, and not out of the way, but addressed in a meaningful way, right? So he goes on, and he talks, and he talks, and it, it, it's really powerful. Go back there and, and read that. But so, but if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? Am I using our? Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? So the big thing I... I want to bring about here is in verse 23. I'm having a, okay. So in verse 23, I think we got the wrong stuff there, but it's awesome. So in verse 23, it says, For all who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the first part I wanted to really recap was that bit about faith and obedience, right? We have to understand that it's all about faith and obedience. And now we understand that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, right? So our last little recappy bit, that, nah, that's where we should have been. Um, <laughs> let's go. Amen. <laughs> that's not in there. Um, so we're going to go to Romans 5, 6 through 8, and then we're going to get on to Romans 6, okay? But so... In verse 6 here, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. I just want you to really like feel that in your gut, that while we were still weak at your weakest moments, like you weren't cleaned up, you weren't, you know, the best, you weren't ready, I wasn't worthy or worth it in any way. And at that time, Christ Jesus died for me, for you, for the ungodly, in those moments of weakness, okay? Amen. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that's what I really wanted to, to just recap and um, focus on as we go in here, is that we have to be obedient through faith. We have to understand that Christ died for us and gave us this gift of salvation while we were at our weakest. And that while we were still sinners, that's when God chose to show his great, amazing, ridiculous, irrational love <laughs> for us in those weak moments. So with that, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's, we're going to hit the reset button. We're going into Romans 6, okay? That's the recap. That's what we have to understand. We're going into Romans 6. So as we go in here, what's the heading? Some things say different things in your Bible. Mine says, dead to sin, alive to God. What shall we say then? So whenever you see that, right, you want to check before. Whatever, what is he referring to? That's, that's yeah. a, a thing he's referring to something. So right in the end of verse 5, uh, uh, excuse me, chapter 5 and 20, he says, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And this was actually a big thing for people to understand how big grace was. And so do you realize that you're justified by grace? And so like my little, you know, bullet point here would be like how big, how big is your grace? How big is God's grace for you? It was so big that he multiple times throughout this chapter has to reiterate this point of what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. And he says it twice here and multiple times throughout the whole chapter. But that was like a real thing that people got confused about. They were like, well, if this grace is so big, like imagine if I had like a diet pill. I was like, this diet pill is the best. You can eat four pizzas and this thing will just rip out the calories. Like you can just, you're like, hey, let's, then I'm going to eat four pizzas every day then, right? And you're like, no, no, no. Like you don't, that's bad for your heart. Like you don't do that. But the diet pill does work. We're like, well, you, know, you see where there'd be a bit of confusion, right? Yeah. People would be tempted. Yeah. To think about it a different way, and there's Gnosticism and strange things that are making them think other ways. But so the point that I want you to take away is this: is that the grace is so huge, it's phenomenal. Has anyone ever dealt with shame before? Anyone know Brene Brown? You know, it's kind of kind of big right now. People are talking about her, and shame is a huge thing. And, and some people are like, "Yeah, I totally deal with shame," and some of you might not identify that way. But I guarantee you that shame plays a role. In your life, it plays a role in how you walk around, and interact with people. It's, it's driving the car in some way. It may be in the back seat, yelling little "Hey," you know, little directions to you, or maybe up in the front seat, like all over the wheel. But shame is a part of our thing, yeah. and God says that His grace is so boundless, so amazing that it really takes that away. And, and I think we have a hard time believing that. But we're going to go through and we're going to explore a little bit more. How how does this grace? affect our lives and help us to live. And I think that I can just put out there, sometimes I would never tell someone that I don't live in grace and I don't accept grace and I'm not forgiven. But the way that I think and the way that I act and the way I interact, is that grace evident? Is it just like, that dude is forgiven. That dude is just, he walks in grace and in truth and peace. Is that me? Is that you? So as we go on, keep that kind of in the center of our mind. Um, I'm actually going to read through quickly at this point and then come back to some things. So in 6.1, what shall we say then? 
Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Are we walking in that newness, you know? Sometimes it can be easy to, to, to lose that and, and to walk in kind of like the staleness. And you wouldn't say that, right? But do you walk in staleness? Sometimes I walk in staleness and it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm forgiven, yeah. But do yeah. we feel that? Do we believe that? And are we honoring God's sacrifice by the way that we walk, by the way that we think? And we're going to dig more into that later. For if, five, we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that our, the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. I, I was trying to read through this and not stop, but I, <laughs> I just can't do it. The, the body of sin, the totality of sin, every awful thing you've ever done, the things that give you the greatest shame, everything that's been done to you, it's gone. It's done. The body of sin might be brought to nothing. To nothing. And it's hard to get rid of some of that stuff or to believe that stuff. But if we don't, in some way, we're dishonoring the sacrifice that Jesus has made. And it's like, I died so you could die to this. The body of sin, the totality of it. You feel me? That the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And I think you hear that enslaved to sin. Maybe like, well, maybe Charlie was enslaved to sin or maybe maybe Charlie is enslaved to sin, but I'm not enslaved to sin, right? Some of you maybe feel that way and some of you are like, no, I'm I'm enslaved to sin. I I get it. Wherever you are, I think it's important to realize that we were completely enslaved to sin and sometimes in our lives we can be enslaved to sin currently and not even think about it sometimes. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think about stuff like, well, yeah, if you're chronically doing this or chronically doing that, if you're unrepentantly doing this, if you're, you know what I mean, you can fill in the blanks, right? I don't have to get gratuitous. You can, your pride's probably going places, right? If you're doing those things, you're enslaved to sin. But what about pride? What about apathy? What about yeah. self-reliance? You yeah. know what I mean? What about thinking, I'm, I don't need to get advice on this. I don't need to surrender this part of my life. Yeah. Are you starting to start, start to think that way? Because yeah. that's where we're going, okay? Yeah. For one, seven, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. But you have to die. You have to die in order to be set free. You just don't get to be free. From sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. That's pretty awesome. Yep. That's pretty cool. Do you remember, quick aside, do you remember when Christian rap first started like coming out? Does anyone remember that? I was like indoctrinated into the scene and there was this one really cool verse about how like Jesus is hot and slippery, even death couldn't hold him. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, it's so cool. He'll never die again. He died once. He went to hell. He he hashed that stuff out, went to Gehenna, right? And came back and was like, boom. He died once to sin and will never die again to set you free, to set me free, right? 
For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And I think I have that in the slide, but I'm kind of scared of the slides right now. So I don't think, I don't think I'm going to go. They really messed me up. I don't think I'm going to go back there. I'm gun shy. Um, but that, write that down, church. That is like so important. Please, please get that. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We must. We must. And it's like, I'm not the one telling you. Like, Paul's telling you, right? Like, he's, it, it says right here, it's not, this isn't an opinion of mine that you can actually have the luxury of disagreeing with. If you want to disagree with the Holy Spirit through Paul the Apostle, that's on you. Okay? Like, I'm for real right now. He says this. You must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And maybe you're like, well, I do, obviously. Like, I'm here. I'm on the leadership team. I, you know, I, didn't you see me handing out the communion wafers? Like, listen, church. Like, I, we have to get past these things in our mind that make us not accessible to self-reflection and repentance. Because the stakes are high. The stakes are high, as we're going to find out. And I'm not trying to bring judgment. Like, this guy's going really hard on me. What in, the, what in the world? I think we have to hold ourselves to this high standard and say, like, the stakes are so high and the world is so fallen that if we allow ourselves to be deluded, because that's, that's our whole world. It's like, hey, plug right in. Just plug right in. And like that Matrix song, so we just get pumped full of this stuff. And have you ever, has anyone ever read Screwtape Letters? There's a huge part of that where, like, hey, like, at that time big vices were like drinking and gambling and things. And one of the demons says to the other one, hey, like if they're not going to go that route, just get them to be a fake Christian. Just get them to, you know, what's that verse about like believing part of, you know, that he's not walking in the fullness of the power, you know, get them just to like wear the cross and WWJD thing and, and get really busy with church stuff. But to not hear, yeah. to not in verse 10, to, to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ. Like, I don't do that. I'm dead to sin. I can't do that. I'm dead to sin, alive in Christ, and a slave to righteousness. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. I think sometimes we're, we were like, well, yeah, I was brought from death to life, and now I kind of hang out in this weird, like, limbo state, you know? Like, I'm not claiming death. Oh, am I? I'm hitting the thing anyway. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, but can you relate to that? Can you relate to living in limbo? Am I the only one that's ever felt like I live in limbo? Like, I'm, I'm claiming... Thank one brave hand. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for the one brave hand. But there's this, <laughs> but there's this sense that I think we can get of like, I claim Christ. Are you walking in the fullness of the power that has set you free from sin and death? And I think sometimes we can get lost. And I think Paul thought sometimes <laughs> you get lost. So he says, for, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. And that kind of brings us back to the weird juxtaposition thing earlier where it's like, well, there's so much grace and it, it kind of nullifies and that the, the stringent thing of the law, I know I'm covered by grace, but does that allow me to sin more? Does that give me more freedom? Like, oh, I know that at the end of this ride, there's a big pool of grace for me to swim in. So I can just kind of like from here to here, I can just do it. That's not what it is. Yeah. And he explains that later on. So in 15, what then? 
Again, right, this is the same thing he said earlier. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves? Oh boy, this thing hates me. <laughs> I don't know. What, all right. I don't know what happened there. We're just going to go. We're, we're off it. We're, we're off of the slides. Uh, <laughs> woo! <laughs> Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? And I think this is one of those tricky things, again, where we're going to go there, but not right now. So this is one of those things where we can say, well, what are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? Death or righteousness? Who wants to choose death? Hands up for death. Who's on the death line? Right? Woo, yeah, sign me up for death, for eternal death. No one, right? No one's like, yeah. Like, you ever do that warm-up game? You're like, on this side of the room, if you like Android, and this side of the room for, for Apple. Like, no one's walking over to the death line. You know what I mean? But do we live in a stagnation that leads to death sometimes? I think we do. I think I do. And I think... There's only one way out of that. There's only one way out of that, and it's to focus on Jesus. And we're going to get there in a little bit. I actually have some, some questions about Jesus that we're going to look at, and um, I'm really passionate to, to go there, so I'm, I'm going to make sure that we have enough time for that. But what I want to stress here, um, let's just do 16 again. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either in sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. This is, please, 17. I have this on there, but, but we're enemies now, me and the slide thing, so I'm not doing it again. But please, 17, write this down, verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. I think that's where I really, I wanted us to spend so much more time on that. That's where my heart is. What standard were you committed to? And are you still committed to that standard? What standard was I committed to? And am I still committed to that standard? Or have I along the way created all these kind of excuses and things and... Oh, to, to, to just do almost like the bare minimum that I have to do to be a member of this club, right? You know, and I come and I smile and I hug and if someone's sick, I send a meal. Not that I'm not trivializing any of that. Like that stuff's so important. You know what I mean? Please like show warmth. But like the heart that committed us to this standard of like, I want to be holy as he is holy, right? And I remember my evangelism when I first came out of the water was like intense. I would like go up to people like, if I can do it, you can like, I was the scum of the earth, and God saved me, and like, it was powerful. Was it effective? Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. <laughs> but so we grow in our effectivity and how we handle the enormity of that grace. But I think that sometimes I can get turned off when I hear people say, like, go back to the beginning. I'm like, that was 10 years ago. I'm not the same person. So I'm not saying that. I'm not saying act like you did when you were a baby Christian. But what I'm saying is that what is the standard? What is the standard? And are we obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which we were committed? And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Are you a slave to righteousness? That's the question I'm asking you. Am I a slave to righteousness? I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Paul's so cool. <laughs> For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity. What does that mean, church? What does that mean? 
dig into that, right? As members, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. But parts of our body, everything that we do, is it leading to righteousness, to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? What fruit were you getting? What fruit am I getting from those things? From, you know, it's like, well, hey, I don't shoot heroin anymore. I'm not, no, out with prostitutes or I'm not on the computer. Amen. But are you, it's like we're enthralled to, to the drug of apathy and to like numbing out to Netflix. Sometimes I feel like the Netflix on my phone is just as dangerous as any drugs I used to shoot or things I used to snort or alcohol I used to drink, right? Like, like I, I, I deleted the app and then days later been like, yeah, well, you know, let's put it back on just for, just for one show. We're just going to watch one show. But it sucks. Are you saying that Netflix is sin? I don't know. Is it to you? Ask God. You know what I mean? Like it might be. It might actually be sin to you. Like, whoa, what did he say? Talk to God about it. You know what I mean? Like, is it sin to you? Because it could be. It could actually be taking you away from your Lord and Savior and making you ineffective. You know what I mean? In your own spiritual walk. It could be numbing you out. I'm not saying to go smash your computer. Like, you know what I mean? But I'm just saying, are you willing to look at this stuff? I think I read an article one time where someone was saying, any sister who wears lipstick is is a harlot and she's doing all this. It's witchcraft. And I think that's how we can think. We can roll our eyes and be like, I I read the article. I was like, what a looney tune. You know what I mean? And maybe there's some truth in, amen, modesty, hooray, right? But I think when I talk about thinking about your interaction with your smartphone, I think you can think of me like that. Like, Looney Tune, Char, like, I'm not doing that. There's no way that I'm, I'm still watching Game of Thrones. I'm still, I don't know, man. I'm just saying there's ways in society where basically you're paying a fee to watch sex on television. You're watching simulated sex acts and you're paying to do it. Yep. Is that good? I don't know. But like, man, talking about Sanctity, talking about sanctification, holiness, purity. Are we slaves to righteousness or are we slaves to sin, to impurity, to depravity? Are, we, are, you, are you so sucked up that you, you can't even hear it? Like, that's how I feel sometimes. I'm like, I know this is bad, but I'm just going to keep on. <laughs> I'm going to keep on keeping on. I want to go home and watch this show tonight. You know, like I want to watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine like, <laughs> right after I get out of here. But we got to like address these things now. Yeah. Amen. I, I'm going to put that on the shelf for a second. But <laughs> the wages of sin is death, church. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And that's how the book of Romans ends. Um, the book of Romans. The chapter 6 of the book of Romans ends right there. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think we just have to be willing to ask ourselves. Like, like verse 22 but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. And is that how we're living? Because that's how we're meant to live. The fruit that we're supposed to be getting and eating is going to lead to sanctification, progressive sanctification. That's like my favorite term, right? It's, we're supposed to get better and better. We're supposed to get holier and holier. And I think that sometimes this world just weighs us down and we forget the enormity of the grace that we've been given and also the high call to be more like him. And yeah. so 
I'm going to stop talking about things that I think, and I want to talk about Jesus. And this is, this is how I'm going to end, so the, the end is near, church. But, but here we are. This is actually born out of a D-time that um, I made for my wife and I. Have you ever had a conversation with someone, and you feel like you are just not seeing eye to eye? And you can, like, I felt like I'm being so vulnerable and pouring stuff out, and the person feels the same way. You're just not getting anywhere. Have you ever felt like that? Well, once, only once in our marriage, we had, we had one time, one time we had an argument, and it felt like nobody was getting anywhere. And I was like, we just have to stop because this is getting nowhere. So we said, we're going to like reconvene for a couple days, and we're going to do a Devo. And so I went to God, like, you know, my first draft at Devo was like how she should repent in all these areas, right? And then, and then the second draft had a couple things about that I could do better, a couple things, you know. Like, those should be more long-suffering. No, I'm just kidding. And then I said, the answer is to focus on Jesus. And so if you didn't get anything out of what I just said, and you were totally distracted like I was by the slides, Please focus now on these yeah. 12 questions about Jesus. And this, this really had a profound effect on our relationship, resolved that issue. And I think I'm going to really implement this in my, our new family group. And so if you're in my group, uh, this is a nice preview of what we're going to do. <laughs> so maybe other groups will look into it also. But these 12 questions about Jesus, and this is meant to really harness our thinking and say, if I want to be a slave to righteousness, if I want to live a life that is eating you know, this sanctified fruit and, and getting me closer to heaven and releasing the shackles and the bonds that, that are on me from sin, I've got to focus on Jesus, right? The author and perfecter of my faith. So the, the verse I put up for this is, is 611. You must consider yourselves dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. So the question number one, who is Jesus? So when you're doing this at home, and this will be on the app, you can look at it. Please, please look at it. I think it's worth the time. Yeah. Name three adjectives. It's like spiritual medleys, right? Name three adjectives that best describe Jesus' character. So of all of the words that you could use to describe Jesus' character, what are the three best ones? You could say holy. You could say pure. You could say whatever you want to do. What are the three best adjectives to describe who Jesus is in his character? Okay? Next one. How did Jesus treat people? So I'm not talking about the Pharisees. I'm not talking about turning tables over. I'm talking about the, the people, name three adjectives that best describe how Jesus treated the people he came to minister to when he came to earth, okay? So what are the three adjectives that best describe how he loves them? You could say accessible. You could say kind. You could say generous. You could say whatever, whatever you want to say, but, but choose, choose some, okay? Three, who is the best? Well, who is Jesus to you? Name the, the best three adjectives that capture key aspects of your personal relationship with Jesus. And this, if it's not compelling to you yet, if you're like, uh, this should be compelling. Because if you say best friend, is Jesus truly your best friend? If you say savior, if you say Lord, then it, as we're going to do with all these things, right? If you think you're just right, then you're wrong. <laughs> you're supposed to go back and I want to dig into each one of these things and say, is it true in my life? Do I see Jesus like that? Do I experience him that way? As I walk around, am I like, Jesus was kind, I should be kind, we get to that, right? But like here, your best friend is what? It's your first phone call, right? Your best friend is the person that you can't wait to tell that story to. That you're, And that should be our lives. Like, Jesus, like, I know you saw that, but I, this person in the Chick-fil-A line, we connected, and you know what I mean? Like, I hear stories that Barb tells about rain boots and salvation, and you know, like, it, it, it's, Jesus is her best friend. Like, she walks around, and she's waiting to share that friend with other people. And if she wrote best friend, I'd say, yes, Barb, <laughs> true. You know, the other people, I'd be like, is he your best friend? 
For me, I might even say that. Like, I don't know if I live like he's my best friend. We have to live that way. So the things that you put there, do you really mean it? Is he your best friend? Is he your Lord? Oh, is he the Lord of everything? Your Netflix, your, your everything? Easy, Charlie. <laughs> I thought we were done with that part. How are you like Jesus? What three adjectives best illustrate how you demonstrate your relationship with Jesus? So this is like, if you do this right, if you, and I'm going to do it with my discipleship partners. We're going to go through, we're going to put these things down, and we're going to end up, probably after a month or two, at this thing. What convictions have you gained by reflecting on Jesus that you want to live out loud? You know, through focusing on his character, how, who he is, how he was to people, who he is to me. Then it becomes, how, how am I like him to others? How am I being kind? How am I being accessible? How am I being a healer? How am I being a chain breaker, whatever you want it to be. What convictions have you gained by reflecting on Jesus that you want to live out loud? And so I'm like right where I want to be. I got three minutes to wrap up. So we're going to just do a little wrap up and we're going to pray, okay? But the whole thing, like, are we slaves to righteousness or are we slaves to sin? Who's seen Shawshank Redemption? I've seen it, yeah, that's a lot more hands than what I asked earlier. Woo! <laughs> Shawshank it's a beautiful, touching, inspiring movie. It's sad, it's wonderful, and yeah. it's great, right? Do you remember who Brooks is, the character Brooks? Yeah. Who's Brooks? The old, the old man with the bird, right? So Brooks was set free in the movie, right? But did he live like he was free? No. He didn't know what to do with that freedom. Yeah. And this is an old man who was institutionalized. And he came out of that institution, and I just, the, the, thinking about that scene where he's in the, the convenience store trying to be a bagger, and people are disrespecting him, and he's like, I don't know how to live in this world. And what does he do? What happens to Brooks? He hangs himself. And you're like, whoa, Charlie, this is even worse than your Netflix. Like, this is heavy. What are you doing? We can get to a place, I think, where we are so afraid of what it means to be free that we can hang ourselves spiritually. In some ways, we can, like, by not walking out the freedom, it's so much worse for us. And it might be a slow burn. It might not be this, this messy, dramatic thing like it was with Brooks. But it's like, if we're not getting better, we're getting worse, you know? And we're either stepping into that fullness of life that Jesus wants us to live in so we can liberate others with it, right? Or we're living in shackles. And the last image I want you to think of because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like there's just some natural pushback. Like, I'm not in shackles. Maybe you're, I'm not in shackles. Do you remember in, um, I don't know, there's like a thousand versions, but I love the George C. Scott Christmas Carol. You know what I'm talking about? And you, that's like the old school. Like, I don't like that one. But there, it's, it's old school for sure. But there's this time where Scrooge is talking with Jacob Marley. And Jacob Marley, you remember what he looks like? I think all the verses look the same, right? He's got the, yeah. he's wrapped up in the grave clothes. He's got the chains. Scrooge, right? And he's talking to him. And he's telling Scrooge that Scrooge himself is enslaved. And Scrooge is like, there's no chains on me. And he's like, right now, Scrooge, you have wrought for yourself chains that are larger now than mine are. You know, And he's not even like... He's got longer to go, miles before he goes to sleep. And his chains are, are greater, heavier, longer than Marley's, which are pretty you know, sizable. Marley's got a lot of chains on him. And I think we just have to realize, and Scrooge is like, no way. But it's true, and I think it's true for us. And we can't see our chains. But every day, every moment, every decision, we're, we're either you know, taking a link off or putting a link on. And we're either becoming more of a slave to righteousness or more of a slave to sin. 
So let's just reflect on that as we pray. Dear God in heaven, I don't want to thank you so much for the enormity of your grace. Thank you that you love us and that you have called us to live life to the full. Thank you that you died for us in our darkest moments and you pulled us out of the pit and you said, you, I choose you. I choose you right now and I know how amazing you are and how amazing you can be. And all you need is for me to clean you off, to dust you off, and to send you out and for you to do radical, life-changing, eternity-changing things for my kingdom, through my grace, and through my power. Thank you, God, that you think of us that way, that you believe in us, that you knew our story in the very beginning. You know the hairs on our heads, that you love us so, so much, and that you say no to the shame that holds us back, and you want to wash us and clean us, and you want us to live a full, inspiring, sanctified life that can help other people to achieve salvation. Thank you, God, that you want that for us. I pray that you would inspire us in a right way, that we would not leave here feeling condemned. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, right? I don't want anyone to feel condemned, Lord. Please help us feel inspired. Help us to reach out to someone this week and say, man, what can I do to live a more effective life for Jesus? How can I embrace the freedom that Jesus gave me? How can I be more sanctified, more holy, more pure? God, help us to focus on your son, Jesus the Christ, that we can look at him and say, I want to know him more. I want to know his character. I want to dig in and really reflect on how he treated people. I want to dig into our relationship. God, help us to know Jesus in a more powerful way. Help us to connect with him and say, I don't think that Jesus is really my best friend, but I sure want him to be. Or I want to be closer to Jesus. Or he is my best friend. And thank you so much for being my best friend, Jesus. Creator of the world, Colossians 1, Jesus is my best friend. Thank you, God, that that's possible. It seems like that's the craziest thing in the world. But it's possible through your goodness, through Jesus' sacrifice. God, help us to connect with that and say, I want to walk that out and to be Jesus for other people and to help them to focus on this Jesus that I have come to know so that we can be slaves to righteousness together. And that makes us free for all of eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.